0: Come on, would you stand to your feet and give the Lord a shout of praise this morning? Lord, we worship you. We praise you. We magnify you, O oh God. We glorify you in this place. Hallelujah, 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 hallelujah. Isn't Jesus wonderful? If you believe it, shout amen. amen. Praise the Lord. You may be seated this morning. It's getting hot in here. I don't know if you feel it yet, but you will, believe me, before this morning is over. Praise the Lord. What a joy it is to be back here again at Kensington Temple. This is a a wonderful, wonderful oasis of Holy Spirit um, life and energy here in the United Kingdom. I don't know if you realize this, but you're famous all over the world. This ministry is renowned for... For its wonderful, wonderful men and women of God. Amen. Um, Pastor Colin and Amanda Die, we love you and appreciate you. And um, thank you so much for the, the hospitality and the welcome. Uh, you know, I, I said this morning, I'll say it again, the, when I was here a couple of years ago, I was here as a guest. But now that I come back for a second time, I'm here as family, okay? So we are, we are a family, and it's wonderful to see all my brothers and sisters here again. I want to just recognize a couple of um, very special people that are with us this morning. We have our, um, the national directors of our ministry, Christ for All Nations, here with us in the service this morning. Mark and Carrie Oaks, would you just stand so we can welcome them? I also see our national directors from our continental European office, Brett and Sylvia Sipek and their daughter. Would you please stand as well? We welcome you. Also our international crusade directors and the directors of our school of evangelism, uh, Steve Boyson and his wife Cindy are here somewhere. There they are. God bless you guys. And um, some, some very, very special people as well. Um, One of the gentlemen that is a director of our board of directors in the the United States, which really helps to guide the international ministry as well, Um, Dr. Chauncey Crandall and his wife Deborah are here. Deborah, would you stand? Dr. Crandall, would you please stand? (laughs) Praise the Lord. And if there's anybody that I have overlooked inadvertently or forgotten, I ask you in advance to forgive me. And I know that you will because you're a Christian and you have to. So <laughs> praise the Lord. Um, I also bring you greetings this morning from Evangelist Bonke. Um, Let me just say, you already heard this morning that he was unable to come at the last moment due to some unforeseeable and unavoidable difficulties. And I, I can tell you firsthand that if there was any way that he could have possibly been here this morning, he would have, and he really, really was looking forward to being with you um, so I bring you his apologies and also his love and greetings. And I know that uh, all of you love and, and greet him as well. So I'll take that message back to him if you don't mind. Is that all right? <laughs> Wonderful. Um, I have the unfortunate privilege of being the replacement for him. And um, as, as a co-evangelist Evangelist Bonkey and and a successor to him. I have had that unfortunate privilege many times. And sometimes uh, when, when people are expecting to see Evangelist Bonky and I show up, they're very disappointed. But I have good news for you. Evangelist Bonkey may not be here, but the Jesus that makes Evangelist Bonky is here. The same Jesus. This same Jesus. And the same Holy Spirit. And I guarantee there will be nothing lacking in him this morning. Amen. I want to greet the coronet. I understand that there are many of you uh, in that other facility as well. I greet you and honor you as well in the name of Jesus. You will not miss out because the wonderful thing about the presence of the Holy Spirit is, is that it is not bound or limited by space or time or location. And the same glory that's here in this place will be in that place as well in the mighty name of Jesus. I also want to encourage you, all of you, to come back tonight. One of my close friends, evangelist Nathan Morris, is going to be ministering here tonight. He is a a great man of God as well with a powerful anointing. And I know that you're just going to unleash him and let him go wild. And I just hope he doesn't burn the place down. Amen. Glory to God. You know, we've just returned a few weeks ago from the field. We were last in in Benin in the city of Cotonou. I see we have a lot of African faces here. How many Africans are here? Come on, Africans. Woo! I'm an African too. Now, I look I look like a white man on the outside, but if you scratch the second layer is African. Amen. And I wear it proudly. I love Africa. I spend more time in Africa than I spend at home. And that's the that's the honest truth. We just returned from Benin, which is infamous the world over as being the cradle of voodoo the place where voodoo comes from and the place where witchcraft comes from in that in that version and form but I have good news for you Katanu is not the origin of voodoo anymore now it is the cradle of holy ghost power and anointing amen we saw We saw many, many thousands of people born again. We burned the witchcraft fetishes and the juju and the talismans and the charms. We prayed for people. Demons began to manifest all over the place. We cast the demons out. The sick were healed. Amazing miracles happened. The gospel was preached, and I tell you, it was shaken in Jesus' name. We are not afraid of the devil. The devil is afraid of us. I was preaching in, in, uh, I forget which country it was now, I think it was Uganda just a few months ago. And they sent, the the, the local coven of witches sent one of their witch doctors to the meeting that night because this woman, they said, had a gift for being able to curse people unto death. They said 10 other people who had been cursed by her died excruciating, painful deaths. And the people feared this woman. They send her to the meeting. She was standing over on this side of the field somewhere. And of course, I didn't know anything about this. I was just preaching like I always preach, not worried, not intimidated. Oh, I know there's witch doctors. They need Jesus like everybody else. And then this woman, I didn't realize it, but she was over there getting ready to cast a spell on me. So she was doing all her funny juju over there she had her charms and her ropes and necklaces and all who knows what and then the time came for her to cast the spell on me and just as she went to pronounce the curse suddenly she fell to the ground and began to scream and writhe like a snake well our ushers are trained well they know exactly what to do with those people they picked her up writhing and shaking and screaming And carried her out back to where we have a tent we call it the snake pit and it's where we cast all the demons out of all the demoniacs and so the ushers took her back there the counselors cast the demons out of her and when she came to her senses she said I want to receive the Jesus that the evangelist was talking about And then they brought her, after they had led her to the Lord, they brought her up onto the platform to talk to me. And she introduced herself by saying this to me, I came here to kill you. I said, you came to kill me, this little woman. But she said, tonight I've given my heart to Jesus. Because tonight I realize that your Jesus is more powerful than my demons. Amen. (laughs) Hallelujah. I want you to know tonight that my Jesus is more powerful than your demons My Jesus is more powerful than your sickness More powerful than your depression More powerful than your fear More powerful than your insecurity More powerful than your sin More powerful than your addiction More powerful than your insomnia Say amen! Amen. Hallelujah! So no, we're not afraid of the devil. The devil is afraid of us, and I like it. Amen, amen, in Jesus' name. I I have something that I'd like to uh, minister this morning to you. I feel the Lord's given me a word. But before we do that, I'd like to invite Dr. Chauncey Crandall in just a moment to come. This man, let me just give you a little introduction of him. And I'm glad I can't see him because I don't want to see him blush. But this man is a wonderful, wonderful man of God, a gift to the body of Christ. He is not what we would call a pastor or a full-time evangelist or something like that. He is actually a cardiologist, a very highly respected heart doctor in the United States, known nationally and respected for his gift in the medical field. But this man is a man of boldness And of courage and of passion for Jesus Christ and he unashamedly preaches Jesus to his patients and then before he treats them for their sicknesses he prays for them to receive supernatural healing now how many doctors do you know that pray for their patients before they hand them a pill that's the kind of doctor that I want I tell you there's when you go to God he only has one pill it's called the gospel It's the best pill. Dr. Crandall, you can use that one. It's free of charge. This man has seen amazing, amazing miracles happen, not in church buildings. Oh, he's seen it in the church buildings too. But he's seen amazing miracles happen in the doctor's office and in the emergency room and in the hospitals. And because of his expertise in his field, he has a level of credibility when he speaks about the miraculous and healings. You know, when an evangelist like me talks about that somebody's been healed, all the skeptics in the room say, oh, well, you don't really know much about medicine, and how do you know that that was really the problem, and have you verified it, and have you gotten a doctor to check it? and all of these things. We, for some reason, we think that when Jesus does something, the, the doctor has to sign off on it before it counts. First of all, that's baloney. But second of all, there are plenty of doctors that have signed off on many things. And this man, because of the credibility he has on the medical field, when he, when he vouches for a healing or for a miracle, people take him very seriously, even the skeptics, because he knows what he's talking about. And I asked him this morning, since he's with us, and it's a great honor and joy for him to be here, I asked if he would just come and share one testimony of something that Jesus did through his hand in the medical field. Would you like to hear that this morning? All right, Dr. Crandall, would you come? Thank you.
1: Hallelujah. Praise God. I love Africans. I really do. In 1974, who's from Togo in this room? Anyone from Togo? Praise God for you. At the age of 19 in Togo, West Africa, I dropped to my knees in a very small mud hut and called out to God and cried out for my salvation. You, the people from Africa, were there. Your blood was there. And I received the Lord as a 19-year-old young man, so I have a heart for the, the people from Africa. My wife was raised by an African-American woman, so we have a great love for you. And it's so exciting for me to be here with you. And I love you very much. I have an amazing story to tell you, but I, wanted, I want to go over the word of God first. Daniel, I don't want to take up all your time, OK? I would like that. But we all know the story about Lazarus, don't we, in the Bible? And Lazarus was the brother of Mary, and Mary came to Jesus and said, "'Jesus, my brother is dead. I, I, I need him. I want him.'" So let's read about this. It's in John chapter eleven thirty-eight. 38. "'Then Jesus, deeply moved again, came to the tomb. "'It was a cave, and a stone lay against it. "'Jesus said, "'Take away the stone, Martha.'" And Martha, the sister of the dead man, said to him, Lord, by this time there will be an odor, for he has been dead four days. Jesus said to her, Did I not tell you that if you believed, you would see the glory of God? Do you want to hear about the glory of God? So they took away the stone, and Jesus lifted up his eyes and said, Father, I thank you that you have heard me. And then further down, when he had said these things, he cried out with a loud voice, Lazarus, come out! The man who had died came out. His hands and feet were bound with linen straps and his face wrapped with a cloth. And Jesus said to him, or to them, unbind him and let him go. This man that had been dead had been brought back to life Through the power of God, through the word of the Lord, and through the power of our great Christ. If we go over to chapter 14 in John, verse 12, it says, Truly, truly, I say to you, whoever believes in me will also do the works that I do. And greater works than these will be done, because I am going to the Father. Amen? Thank you, Father God, for your word. It carries great power. You know, it's unusual for you to see a cardiologist, a physician, standing in front of you, preaching the Word of God. But because of that event in Africa, in 1974, the Holy Spirit came into me. I was born again. But for many years, I drifted from the things of God. I would say I was an average believer for 20-plus years. I didn't do the things of God. I didn't bring people into the kingdom of God but I was born again. I don't want to be average anymore. I don't want to be marginal anymore. Where are you on that path with the Lord today? Are you bringing the lost into the kingdom of God? Are you ministering to those around you that are hurting? I would ask that you would march and march quickly to those things. But as a physician, it was very difficult for me to pray for the sick in the beginning. I did not know how to pray. I was not brought up up in a home, a Christian home, where they prayed for the sick. I did not attend a church that really believed in praying for the people that were sick. So all I could do was rely on the Word of God, the Word of truth in the Scripture, and then I had to go out and believe and pray. I asked the Lord, I I promised the Lord, I will pray for one person a month, Doesn't that sound fantastic? One person a month, can you believe it? But I prayed for that one person the first time, and the power of God came on me. It was a remarkable experience, and this woman, uh, uh, it moved her greatly. So then I told the Lord I would pray for one a week, and then one a day. And then my office became full of people who I was praying for. I had faith in the Word of God. I had faith in the Lord that I could pray for the sick in Jesus' name. So Daniel wants me to tell you about the most amazing prayer and the most amazing miracle that happened this one day just a few years ago. I was at work in the morning, much like many of you. I was in the hospital early one morning, It was a busy day for me. I had many operations uh, to complete. And in fact, I arrived to the hospital very early that morning uh, so I could get to the operating room quickly. I was in the intensive care unit, and I was rounding on many of my patients there. And then quickly, an alert came over the loudspeaker system of the hospital that someone had died in the emergency room, that they had a heart attack and they were doing everything that they could possibly do, and they were calling out for help that morning. I didn't answer that call. I really thought maybe one of the other cardiologists in the building uh, would go to the emergency room and assist that patient, but no one responded. Remember, I told you, I was very busy that day, and in fact, I did not want to be interrupted that morning. Many of you, as you walk around, you don't want to be interrupted about the things of God. You're busy with your work and this and that, and and life passes by, and these things happen. But God is calling us. And that morning, the Lord needed my help, needed a Christian to intervene in a situation. So the speaker system went off again. The alert went off again. And then my name was called over the loudspeaker system that Dr. Crandall We need you in the emergency room. And so I walked down to the emergency room. I opened the emergency room doors, and the room was full of chaos, darkness. Death was in that room, and they were doing everything that they could possibly do to revive this young 53-year-old gentleman. They were going through all the protocols, giving him all the medicines, giving him CPR like you see on TV, but there was no life in this man. He lie there helpless, dead. His body was full of darkness and blackness and cyanosis. His hands, his arms were full of death and they were working on this body and working on this body and no life was in this man. For 40 minutes, they did all that they could possibly do to revive him and there was no life left in him the doctor said what can we do what else can we do I reviewed the case there was nothing else that we could possibly do for this man I said he is dead let's in this process let's call him dead and the doctor agreed in the emergency room and we started signing the forms of this man's death and writing our notes. Everyone left the room except for one nurse and myself, and I continued to write my note, and then I finished my note as the man laid there with his arms over the stretcher, no life in him. And as I finished my note, I left the room, and I walked down the hall, and I heard the voice of the Lord. Turn around and pray for that man. And I thought to myself, Lord, how can I turn around and pray for that dead man? How can I do that, Lord? This must not be you, Lord. And I kept walking down the hall. And then the voice came back again. Turn around and pray for that man. Have you heard that voice? Turn around and pray for your neighbor. Turn around and pray for your colleague. Turn around and pray in Jesus' name. So I turned around. What am I going to say as I walk back to the room? Lord, what am I going to do when I get there? I don't have the words, Lord. I've never done this before, Lord. Why me, Lord? And as I walked in the room... The patient was here. His head was here. His feet were here. I looked at him. The nurse was behind him, cleaning the body for the morgue and for the family to review the body. She looked at me, puzzled. What is he doing here? Why is the doctor back? And I stood over that body and I said, Lord, how do I pray? What do I pray, Lord? But as you know, the Holy Spirit is always with us. As believers, he needs us to open our mouth so that his power can come out, that the word can be spoken in Jesus' name. And I stood there looking at that body, and these words came out. They were my words. They were the words of the Lord. Father God, I cry out for this man's soul, Lord. If he does not know you, Lord, raise him from the dead now in Jesus' name. I moved back, and all of a sudden my arms shot up. The emergency room doctor walked in. He looked at me. I looked at him. I said, shock this man one more time no dr crandall he's dead we cannot shock him another time he's gone i said shock him one more time and we brought the paddles over bam and all of a sudden an instant heartbeat began i looked at the monitor I looked at the monitor, the one beat, and then another beat, and then a third beat, and then all of a sudden the hands started moving in different directions, and then the feet, and then all of a sudden the abdomen went down, and then it came out with a big gush of wind. And then the nurse screamed. (laughs) What have you done? I don't know. What are we going to do with him now? It sounds funny. But it was serious. I had never prayed over a man like that. I had never seen a dead man come back to life. Forty minutes dead. The nurse said, what are we going to do? I didn't know. We brought him down to the intensive care unit. And then three days later, this man woke up. I was there in the room with him that day. And I sat next to his bed and I reached my hand out and I grabbed his hand and I held his hand. I said, Jeff, where were you that day that I prayed over you? Where were you that day, Jeff, that I prayed over you? He said What did he say? He said, I was so disappointed. I was so disappointed. I was so disappointed. Jeff, what were you disappointed about? He said, I was in total darkness for eternity. No one came to see me. No one came to visit me. My family, my friends, my colleagues. No one came. He was in hell forever and ever and ever. Total darkness. And there after many, many time periods, these men came in and they picked him up and they threw him in the trash and he was worth nothing. And I said, Jeff, never again do you have to be alone for eternity. If you accept this Lord, this Christ that I'm going to tell you about, you'll be in eternity with the glory of God. He accepted the Lord as Christ and as Savior God that day. I went home that night. The story isn't over. And I spoke to my banker and I told my banker the story. I was worn out after that day. The power of God, the glory of God was there. It was overwhelming. And I explained this to the banker and I told him the story about the man that came to the emergency room with the massive heart attack who had died And then we prayed over him and he came back to life and the hospital was talking about it. There was a buzz. There was an excitement in the hospital that a man had been prayed for and he was back to life. And then the banker went home and he told his wife the story. And then his wife told another woman the story and she dropped to her knees. She said, do you know Who that man is? Do you know who that man is? That's my ex-husband. I have been praying for him for 20 years. I became a Christian, and our family was in chaos, turmoil. I went to God to get out of that chaos, but my husband went the other direction. He left our family. And for 20 years, I've been praying for the salvation of his soul. <laughs> Amazing, isn't it? How the story unfolds and it unfolds and it unfolds, and the Lord is in charge of everything. And she said, That's not the end of the story. You want to hear the rest? <laughs> Bunky says that. You want to hear the rest? Okay. That man's daughter, who was born in that hospital many years before, was in the parking lot. She heard that her father was sick. She went to be with him. But she did not know that he had died, that his body was laying there in that emergency room gone she was praying in the parking lot you want to hear a prayer she said father god i was born physically in this hospital many years ago i pray that my father gets born again in this hospital Amazing how the story unfolds. But something happened that day that I prayed. And it's happening with you every day. The Lord, He was up in heaven, He was there. There was a dead man in the emergency room. No life, dead. The Lord up in heaven is looking down. I need a Christian. I need someone that will go and pray. And as He, the Lord in heaven looked down, he looked down at that hospital. He saw a Christian doctor there. He said, he's the one. He is the one that I will use. The prayers have gone up from the daughter. The prayers have gone up from the family for 20 years for the salvation of this man. I'll use that Christian doctor. And as that doctor was walking down the hall that day to that place of chaos and death, and as he walked into that room, the glory of God came on that physician. All chaos, all darkness must go. The kingdom of God has now arrived. The kingdom of God has arrived. Death must go in Jesus' name. All darkness, death, go in the name of Jesus. And I want to leave you with this word that the Lord is calling each of you to do the same thing. He is up in heaven, and all he is asking for is a voice. Uh, All he's asking for is a presence here in each one of you, that you will go, that you will minister to those that are sick, that you will minister to those that are dying, that you will lay hands on them, and all illness must go in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Daniel, thank you.
0: Hallelujah. Was that worth it? Amen. Amen. I want to just say this before I forget that we have a product table out in the back there. Um, without, without getting into a lot of detail, let me just tell you the deals that you'll see out there are the best deals you'll ever find on any of these products. And what you really need to look for is this book by Evangelist Bonky. Um I get no kickback or... Compensation of any kind for telling you this. I'm telling you as your friend that this is the best book you're, you're ever going to read outside of the Bible in your life. I really, really believe that with all my heart. You need to get a hold of it. And there, what what is it? Twelve pounds. So it's usually thirty. So make sure you get one before you leave. Okay. Wasn't that wonderful? You know, I'm I'm having to control myself because. As I was listening to Dr. Crandall talk, I began to have stories popping up in my mind of resurrections. You know, we've seen people raised from the dead. In fact, I believe that this is to be a common occurrence in the body of Christ. A common occurrence. Because resurrection from the dead is part of the ministry. Jesus said, heal the sick and raise the dead with the same sentence. You know, we think of the healing of the sick as something that happens, but when you begin to talk about the raising of the dead, people, Christians even, begin to get a little bit weirded out by that. But I tell you what, this is part of the kingdom of God, and it's here. It's among us. It can happen right here in this place. In fact, one of the stories I wanted to tell you was of my great-grandfather who was raised from the dead. He actually died when he was two years old, and his body, rigor mortis, had set into the body. They were about to bury it in the ground. And his father, my great great grandfather, would not leave. He would not let them bury the body. He went into his room and he interceded. And then the Holy Spirit spoke to me, went in and laid hands on my two year old great grandfather's lifeless body, and life returned. And not only that, but he had been. Mentally retarded before that the, the doctors said he would never live to see adulthood because of the the terrible physical condition his body was in and the doctor said even if he did by some miracle survive to adulthood He would never be able to take care of himself. They said he'd have to be bathed by someone else He'd have to be clothed. He would have to be fed. He would never be able to speak. He would never be able to live a normal human life and Not only did Jesus raise him from the dead, but every infirmity every ailment Every handicap was gone when he came back from the dead. And that little boy that the doctor said would never live to see adulthood had ten sons. Ten sons. Unfortunately, no girls. All boys. And those ten sons became preachers of the gospel. Amen. And those ten sons were also very fruitful and multiplied. And their children became preachers of the gospel as well, all over the world. And their children as well became preachers of the gospel, and I'm one of them. You know, one of the reasons that that story is so amazing to me is that had that miracle not happened, I wouldn't be standing here talking to you right now. I am here because my great-grandfather came back from the dead. That day when he died, when he breathed his last breath, and rigor mortis set into his body, and they were about to put his body in the ground, I was there with him. Had they buried him in the ground, they would have buried me. They would have buried my four beautiful children with him they would have buried the hope of those ten sons that he had with him. The hope of all of our lives and all of our destinies were hanging on his life, depending upon what God would do in his life. And when Jesus raised my great-grandfather from the dead, he raised me from the dead too. He raised my children from the dead. He raised the the hope of our lives and of our futures from the dead. Hallelujah. Isn't it wonderful? Dr. Crandall, if the Lord tarries, there may come a day when this man has grandchildren or great-grandchildren that are there because you prayed for him that day. And let me tell you something. Those of you who are born again, you have a testimony like mine. Did you know that? You say, evangelist, I didn't know I had such a great heritage. Well, let me tell you about it. The Scripture says in 1 Corinthians that if Jesus had not been raised from the dead, your faith would be in vain and you would still be in your sin. Do you realize when Jesus was hanging there on the cross, the hope of your eternal destiny was hanging on that cross with him? He breathed his last breath. He said, it is finished. He bowed his head and he died and they took that lifeless body down off of the cross and they put it into a tomb and they sealed the tomb with a stone and they put guards in front of that tomb. Inside that grave, not only was the body of Jesus in that grave, but your destiny was in that grave. Your eternal future was in that grave. Our lives were depending on what would happen. The Bible says that three days later, early on a Sunday morning, the ground began to tremble. The stone rolled away. And Jesus stepped out of that tomb alive and well, shining like the sun. And my brothers and sisters, he stretches out his hand to you and to me this morning. And this is what he says. Because I live, you shall live also. Hallelujah. Now, I'm very much aware of the time. I'm, I realize that a lot of time has already elapsed. I'm going to preach my sermon in 15 minutes. Okay? That is a big promise coming from an evangelist. But if you have your Bibles, turn with me to the book of X, of Genesis chapter 3 because I, I want to... I want to preach this message that the Lord laid on my heart because I really believe that this is all divinely ordained. I didn't know that Dr. Crandall would be in the meeting this morning. I didn't premeditate him giving his testimony. This is all unfolding by the will of God. And I believe that there is a word from the Lord for some of you today. Let me tell you what's going to happen to many of you. Some of you have been going to church. Some of you have been calling yourselves Christians. Some of you have been baptized. You've sang in the choir. You've taken communion. You've given offerings. But inside there is death and darkness and disease. And inside you need the light of the glory of God to come and illuminate your darkness and turn your morning into to dancing and to exchange your death for life say amen Amen. and this morning the Holy Ghost is coming to you with those paddles and he's gonna lay those paddles on your heart BAM wake you up and you will live a quality of life from this day forward that you've never dreamt about and that you didn't know existed in Jesus name Amen. amen all of you know the story I'm sure of the Garden of Eden God placed the first man and the first woman, Adam and Eve, in that beautiful, pristine paradise. They had all of God's creation at their fingertips to love and to enjoy. It was there for their pleasure. God said to them, you can enjoy all of the fruit of all of the trees that are in the midst of the garden. But the tree that is in the midst of the garden, the tree of the knowledge of good and evil, he said, you shall not eat of it. For in the day that you eat of the fruit of that tree, you will surely die. The Bible says that one day Eve was walking through the garden. You know the story? And Satan came to her in the form of a serpent. And the serpents asked Eve. He said, Eve, did God really say that you would die if you ate from the fruit of this tree? And the serpent beguiled Eve and tricked her and twisted her mind and manipulated her. And she conformed and she submitted and she took a hold of the fruit of that tree. She ate and she gave it to her husband and he ate. And the Bible says that from that very moment a change took place. Not only in Eve but in the entire world. Sin and darkness and death entered the world for the very first time. And as a result, the Lord drove Adam and Eve from that paradise And in verse 22, the Lord God said, Behold, the man has become like one of us to know good and evil. And now lest he put forth his hand and take of of the tree of life and eat and live forever. Therefore the Lord God sent forth from the garden of Eden to till the ground from whence he was taken. And he drove out the man and placed at the east of the garden of Eden cherubims. Those are mighty angels. And a flaming sword which turned every way to keep the path to the tree of life. God said, after he had driven Adam and Eve out of the garden, they were now in their sinful fallen condition. And the Bible says that God put an angel at the path leading to the tree of life. And the angel had a flaming sword in his hand. And God said, the angel has to keep the way, keep the path so that Adam and Eve cannot sneak back into the garden and partake of the fruit of the tree of life. Have you ever wondered why that happened? This part of the story is one that not too many people talk about because it's strange. It's a little bit mysterious. But you're going to see in just a moment that this story contains the gospel in its richest and most wonderful form. That's my text this morning. I want to also read a scripture from 1 John chapter 5. This is my theme. 1 John chapter 5, verse 11. And this is the record that God has given unto us eternal life. And this life is in his Son. He that hath the Son hath life. And he that hath not the Son Hath not life. My friend, the gospel is a very simple message. It's not an alternative offered to the world. It's an ultimatum. Those that have the Son of God, Jesus Christ, have eternal life. And those who have the, not the Son of God have not eternal life. You know, I come from the United States. I hope you won't hold that against me. I come from a place called Florida. And Florida's famous for Many things, among them being Mickey Mouse. One of the things that it's well known for in American history is that it was the landing place of the Spanish explorer, um, Ponce de Leon. How many of you know that name? Ponce de Leon actually landed right in the harbor, right where I was born, just a few miles from the place I was born. At that time, Florida was just a bunch of swamps, marshes, mosquito-infested, and full of hostile Native American tribes. It was a dangerous, unforgiving place to go. But Ponce de Leon risked his life and the lives of all of his men because he was on a quest. He was seeking for a mythical fountain called the Fountain of Youth. And Ponce de Leon believed that there was a spring somewhere in the Florida uh, swamps that would bubble up magical waters from under the earth. And Ponce de Leon believed that if a, a man would drink of these waters, it would give to him eternal life. It would make the old young again. It would make the sick cured and healed. Ironically, it was that quest to find eternal life that cost Ponce de Leon his life. He ended up being shot by an Indian arrow, became infected, and he died afterwards. It seems to me that man's quest, all of man's quests to find eternal life, all seem to end very disappointingly. Now, before those of us here in the Western world, we are very educated, we live in the year 2013 now. That's right, it's 2013. Don't forget when you write your checks. We think of ourselves as sophisticated and educated and we would never fall for such nonsense like a fountain of youth. But before you get too high on your horse, I was just passing through the mall yesterday. And as I walked through one of the department stores past the beauty section, I was intrigued with some of the promises I found on a few of the bottles. A few of the potions that offer, they cry out to you like a fountain of youth in a bottle. That if you just apply these ointments to your skin, they'll take away all the wrinkles, and they'll wind the clock back 20 years, and they'll make you look like you're 21 again. Some of us never look good at 21 to begin with. (laughs) And for the rest of you, I can promise, it will never happen. And while it, it tends to be the women that fall for those schemes, mostly... The men are not off the hook yet because I've seen some of the pills and the daily vitamins and the supplements and the the things that, that, that us guys take that promise that, you know, there's a picture on the bottle of a, of, a, of a fitness model with washboard abs and bulging muscles, and the bottle promises that if we take one of these pills every day, we're going to look just like the person on that bottle. And disappointingly, we discover that all we achieved was to create very expensive urine, The fountain of youth still cries out to everyone. It still seems to be a longing of the human heart, and I'll tell you why. Because humanity, men and women, were not created to die. Did you know that? Did you ever wonder why death seems so unnatural? Why it's so frightening? Why it's so terrible? We think of it as a natural part of living, but the reality is you were not created to die. You were created to live. The original plan before man sinned in the garden is that man would live forever. But then something happened, and I'll tell you what it was. Sin entered in. And whenever sin comes in, it creates a wedge of separation between you and God. Sin separates. I want everybody to say that. Say, sin separates it says this in Isaiah 59 too, but your iniquities have separated between you and your God and your sins have hidden his face from you that he will not hear. You know, I got into a discussion with a young man on the streets I was witnessing and this young man, he was, a, he was quite an arrogant guy. He was full of himself. Thought he was very knowledgeable. He said to me, that he had been talking with some of his friends and they had come up with an argument. He said that this one argument could topple the core belief of Christianity. And he said, this one argument will will completely undermine the Christian faith. Now, I had been talking to atheists and agnostics for a long time, and never once have I found an argument that could topple Christian faith. So I was very eager to hear it. And this is what he said. Well, he said... There are two fundamental beliefs of Christianity. One is that, he said, God created everything. The second one is that God is good. But he said, I can prove to you that this is not possible because if God created everything that means God also created evil and he said if God created evil then God cannot possibly be good therefore your God is either one who didn't create everything therefore he's not the God you claim he is or he's not a good God and not the God you claim him to be either way your God is not the God that you claim him to be and he waited for my response he thought that he had got me I said, well, young man, you have made one basic mistake in the premise of your argument. The Bible never says that God made everything. He looked at me. A Christian saying that God didn't make everything. And some of you are looking at me like that right now. Did he just say that? Some of you are ready to kick me out the door for preaching heresy. Well, what's, what's an example of something God didn't create? How about this? Life. God didn't create life. How can I say that? Because God is alive. If God had to create life, he wouldn't never have been alive to create it. Life is uncreated. It's simply part of who God is. Outside of him, there is no life. But all life goes back to the giver of life and the only source of life, which is God himself. The Bible says that God is love. It doesn't say that God has love or God is in love or God loves. It says He is love. It is a fundamental component of the character of God himself. Therefore, it is also uncreated because it is part of who God is. So God didn't create love. This is what I said. I said, young man, there are a lot of things that God didn't create. And here's the reality. Every characteristic of God, peace, joy, Holiness, light, love, grace, all of these things are uncreated. They are just part of who God is. They're part of his nature. Evil, therefore, is uncreated as well because evil is simply a condition in which there is a void of God's presence and personality and nature. You don't have to create darkness. You just turn off the light, and darkness is the default. You don't have to create cold. You just take away the warmth, and the cold is the default setting. And you don't need to create evil. You just separate yourself from God, and you find darkness, and you find evil, and you find wickedness, and every terrible thing. The Bible says that every good and perfect gift comes from above. In God is everything good about the world. Outside of Him is everything bad. You see? I've heard a lot of preachers preach on hell, and... Sometimes I'm amazed when they begin to describe it in vivid detail, and they talk about the sights and the smells and the colors or the lack thereof, the lighting. They talk about what the demons look like and what the demons say and what the demons do, and I say, wow, this is amazing. Where is that? I look for it. I guess I need to read my Bible again because many of the things I still haven't found. I don't stand before you as a preacher who claims to know everything there is to know about hell, or one that can describe it to you in vivid detail. But there's one thing I know about hell that makes it terrible enough and awful enough that I pray to God none of you ever find yourself there. The one thing that makes hell hell is not the darkness. It's not the fire. It's not the demons it is the fact that in hell there is separation from the presence of God and outside of God's presence my friends there is no good thing there is no life there is no love there is no joy there is no peace there is no goodness no grace no beauty nothing of value nothing of worth exists outside the presence of God So here is that angel guarding the way, guarding the way to the tree of life because God said if Adam and Eve can get into the garden and take of that fruit and eat of it, they will live forever. Now I always thought that the reason God did this is it was part of the punishment that he was... Handing out to Adam and Eve for eating of the forbidden fruit that was part of their punishment that they couldn't eat from the tree of life. And then one day I suddenly realized that that was no punishment. It was actually an act of great mercy. Because Adam and Eve had already been separated from the presence of God, and they were now in a fallen condition. And God knew that if man could have an eternal, physical life in a fallen state of separation from God, that would not be good. That would be hell on earth. There are many of you that are living just like that. You are living hell on earth. What is hell on earth? It's a life without Jesus. He that has the Son has life. He that has not the Son has not life. If you are here this morning and Jesus is not the Lord of your life, my friend, you don't know what it means to live. You could be a rock star. You could be a wealthy businessman. You could have the most beautiful husband or the most beautiful wife. You could be popular. You could be famous. You could be rich, but you don't have life. Your lungs might be breathing. Your heart might be beating, but without Jesus, you don't have life. If you're separated from God, you will live in fear. If you are separated from the presence of God, you will live in darkness. If you are separated from the presence of God, you will have sickness and pain. If you are separated from the presence of God, you will have sin and death. Tonight, this morning, there's, there's a man here who's been struggling with addictions, with pornography, with drugs, with alcohol, You've tried so hard to overcome it, and you can't seem to get the victory. My friend, the problem is that you're living separated from the presence of God. God is the source of freedom and liberty. The Scripture says that where the Spirit of the Lord is, there is liberty, there is freedom. But outside of the presence of God, there is bondage, there is addiction, there is compulsion. There is the flesh in control the urges of the body prodding and prompting. This morning there's a teenager here. You feel helpless and hopeless. You don't think you have a reason to live. Maybe you've even thought about committing suicide. That's because sin has separated you from the source of life. That is Jesus Christ. But Jesus said this, I am the way. I am the truth. I am the life. No man comes unto the Father but by me. My friend, you don't need a pill tonight. You don't need a Valium. You need Jesus. You don't need a psychiatrist. You need Jesus. You don't need a support group. You need Jesus. You don't need a better job. You need Jesus. You don't need a better boyfriend or a better girlfriend or a better husband or a better wife. You need Jesus. You need Jesus, you need Jesus Jesus, Jesus say amen he that has the son has life but he that has not the son has not life you know when you heard Dr. Crandall talking earlier there are many of you who feel a longing in your heart You say, oh God, I want to be used like that. Oh God, I want to be used to bring healing and deliverance to people. And you feel this desire inside of you, my friend, but the scripture is very clear that you can't give away what you don't have yourself. And I believe that this morning, what God desires to do in many of your lives is to raise you back to life again, to rip away that facade So you stop pretending to be a great Christian. Stop pretending to have it all together. Stop faking on the outside like there's no problems and no pain. But then when you lay on your bed at night and the lights go out and it's just you and your own heart, you realize that it's empty. It's dark. There's a void. My friend, you need Jesus. Before the meeting, I was in my room presence of God filled the room. When that happens, many times I just begin to weep. Because there's nothing like it in this world. If I were to try to articulate to you with English words what the presence of Jesus is like, it would fall so short that it would actually be an insult. All I can say is this. That you were created for the presence of God. Remember Adam and Eve in the garden, it says that they would walk with God and talk with Him in the cool of the day. It was the reason He made them. For fellowship. For love. God made you for His presence. A person who has never experienced His presence has never lived It's like having an electrical appliance that's never been plugged in. It may have all the right equipment, but without the electricity, it has never once known what it means to actually function the way it was designed to. My friend, if you want to know what it means to live, you need Jesus. Say amen. Amen. Oh, my prayer is that every one of you would know that presence. You would know that love. You would know that peace, that light, that joy. That peace that passes all understanding, that supersedes every fear, every phobia, every discouragement, it's the light from the cross. Can you say amen? I want to tell you a story that I often tell in Africa, and then I'm going to be finished. The story is about a, a farmer who had a chicken farm there in the mountains somewhere in southern Africa, and behind his farm there were these beautiful mountains that he would often walk through and enjoy the beautiful scenery. One day as he was walking, he looked over and he saw in one of the rocky crevices a nest of an eagle, and from his vantage point he could see that in the nest were three beautiful eagle's eggs. Suddenly this chicken farmer had an idea. He climbed over to where that nest was and very carefully he lifted one of the eggs out of the nest and he put it into his pocket. Climbed back down the mountain, went to his chicken yard and found there in the barn a brooding mother hen. She was asleep. And very carefully the farmer lifted up that brooding hen, took the egg out of his pocket and slipped it under. And when the mother hen awoke a couple hours later, she thought that one of her eggs had just magically multiplied. She treated it like one of her own. She warmed it. She incubated it. And then after a few days, something began to happen. The mother hen got off of the nest and surprise, surprise, cracks were forming in the eggs. And one by one, those little chickens began to come out of their eggs. And how many of you know when chickens are born, they're perfect? These chickens, their eyes could see They were covered in beautiful yellow feathers. Their legs could walk. They got out and began to strut around that chicken yard like they owned the place. (laughs) But it took a lot longer for the eagle to hatch. Hours later, finally a wing poked out. It was not a beautiful wing covered in little yellow feathers. It was naked, scrawny, bony wing. And then later another wing came out and After hours of struggling, here came that pathetic-looking eagle. He was blind. He was naked. He couldn't walk. He couldn't fly. He couldn't eat for himself. All he could do was sit there with his mouth open. And all of the chickens, they huddled together and whispered over their shoulder. They said, this is our funny little brother here. He doesn't look like us. He's not as cool as us. But time went on, and soon that naked, scrawny, blind eaglet grew. And when he grew big enough to the point where he could walk around himself, he didn't know that he wasn't a chicken, and so he just simply did what all the chickens did. They scratched in the dirt, so he scratched in the dirt. They pecked on the ground for bugs, so he pecked on the ground for bugs. They walked in a single-file line, and at the end of the line, here was that little eagle following behind, just doing what everybody else was doing, following the crowd. And then one day the farmer said something amazing happened. He heard a sound. It was a cry from the sky. The mother eagle had been flying over that chicken yard, and she looked down, and she saw her son, and she began to cry out to him. And when that little eagle heard that sound, it was the most beautiful sound he'd ever heard, he lifted his head out of the dirt for the first time. And he looked into the sky. And there he saw his mother. Her wings unfurled, soaring so majestically, so powerfully over that chicken yard. And for the first time, he looked at his own wings He said, wow, this is what wings are for. You know, chickens don't need wings. They don't need to fly. They just need to hop into the pot. (laughs) This eagle had wings to fly. He began to imitate his mother, moving those wings. And at first he was very uncoordinated, but then he caught his rhythm. Something amazing happened. He lifted up off of the ground. He began to fly, soaring higher and higher. And his mother was crying to him. He was flying to her, and they were just about to be reunited in the air. When suddenly the chick, the, e- the eagle, heard a sound from below. You know who it was? It was the chicken mama. She was crying. Little chicken tears were rolling down her little chicken beak. She was saying, son, come back. We love you. You're a part of our family. You complete us. Would you like to know what the eagle said to the chicken? He looked back over his wing and he said, goodbye, you stupid chickens. I always knew I wasn't one of you. I always knew I wasn't made to walk around in the dirt and the filth of the chicken yard. I always knew I wasn't meant to peck on the ground for bugs and follow behind a line of stupid chickens. My home is not the chicken yard. My home is the highest mountain. My home is the golden sun. My home is the blue sky. Hallelujah! My friends, listen to me this morning. I'm done now. But let me tell you this. You were not created to live in the chicken yard of the devil. You were not meant to live among the thieves and the liars and the prostitutes and the drug addicts and the pornography addicts and those that are bound with sin and darkness and addiction. That's not why God made you. Your home is not the chicken yard of the devil. Your home is the blue sky, the golden sun, the highest mountain. And this morning, Jesus wants to reach down and lift you up. He wants to lift you up. He wants to infuse his life inside of your spirit. He wants you to possess eternal life, not in the hereafter, but right now. Right now, today, you can leave this place knowing what it's like to have eternal life. Say amen. Amen. I'm asking everyone to please stand all over this place. Hallelujah. Come on, say amen. Amen. I sense the presence of the Lord here. Come on, would you just. Would you just pray? Just, just let that those rivers of living water inside of you come out now, just for a couple of minutes. Come on. If you speak in unknown tongues, just begin to pray in your heavenly language. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. Lord, thank you for your eternal life. Thank you for the rivers of living water. Lord, thank you that you give life and that you give it more abundantly. Lord, thank you that you've come to destroy the works of the devil. Lord, thank you that you've come to restore everything that was stolen in the garden. Hallelujah, hallelujah. Now listen to me. When the angel stood in front of that tree of life with a flaming sword... I believe that if you could have gotten close enough to hear what the angel was saying I believe he would have said something like this don't come here anymore this tree cannot help you now but don't worry there is another tree that God will give you and the fruit from this tree will not only Cause your body to live. But it will give you eternal life. Thousands of years later, Jesus Christ came. The Bible describes the cross as the tree. It says that he hung upon the tree for us. My friend, the tree of life, the real tree of life today is not a tree that grew once in the Garden of Eden. The real tree of life is the cross of Jesus Christ and you can eat its fruit today. You can receive its life today. That separation from God can be gone today. The darkness will turn to light. Your sin will turn to righteousness. Your bondage will turn to freedom. Your sickness will turn to health every work of the enemy will be destroyed every hook every chain every bondage every oppression will be yanked out of your soul in jesus if that's your desire i want you just to lift your hand right now all over this place say that's what i want i need that eternal life i need that life that life that life if that's you lift your hands all over this place i see all look at all these hands life 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 yes lord jesus jesus there's too many of you for me to have you come forward but this is what we're going to do right now we're going to pray together and i believe a transformation is going to happen inside of your spirit right now there's coming a flipping of a switch the flipping of the switch in the beginning the Bible says that God spoke he said let there be light and there was light right now he speaks into your heart but the word that he speaks John chapter 1 tells us that the word is Jesus right now Jesus is coming in and when Jesus comes in it's life when Jesus comes in it's light when Jesus comes in it's freedom and peace come on just say dear Lord Jesus say it say it everybody say dear lord jesus this morning i give you my heart i give you my life i surrender all to you lord jesus let your life fill me now i turn from darkness to light from sin to righteousness from the power of satan to the power of god i really sense the lord's presence right now holy ghost fill 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 everyone i pray in jesus name everyone I pray. I rebuke, I rebuke all that darkness and I tell it to go out of your life right now. No more nightmares in the name of Jesus. No more bondage in the name of Jesus. No more oppression in the name of Jesus. No more addiction in the name of Jesus. Every chain is broken in the name of Jesus. Every burden is lifted in the name of Jesus. Every yoke is broken in Jesus' name. Every curse is broken in Jesus' name in Jesus name in Jesus name I speak to that fear and I tell it to leave your spirit right now in Jesus name I speak to that phobia I tell it to go that insecurity needs to go right now 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 in Jesus name your sins are forgiven in the name of Jesus be cleansed right now by the precious blood of Jesus Christ Washed and cleansed from every sin, every stain. I command all guilt, all condemnation to come off of you right now. Come off of you right now in Jesus' name. I speak this blessing over you that when you wake up in the morning, your first thought will be Jesus. That as you walk through the day, the life of Jesus will bubble up inside of you and overflow to those around you. That when you lay your head on the pillow to sleep at night, your last thought will be Jesus. And as you dream, you will dream about Jesus. You will dream about heaven. You will dream about angels. And the glory of God will overtake you and fill you and surround you. You will be a carrier, a carrier of the presence of the living God. Surely goodness and mercy will follow you all the days of your life, and you will dwell in the presence of the Lord forever. Lord, I pray that you would seal every one of these men and women, boys and girls, by your Holy Spirit. And Lord, I pray that the work you've begun this morning, you would complete it until the day of Jesus Christ in Jesus name and everybody said
1: amen amen
0: now I'm just about to turn the mic back over to my brother before I do let me say this very quickly two things every one of you you need to understand something that the fire on the altar is lit by God himself the scripture in the scripture God told the priests that they had to keep it burning God lights it but you need to maintain it you need to maintain it through prayer every day you need to maintain it by reading God's Word every day you need to maintain it by by fellowship with the Saints you need to be in the house of God you need to make sure that every time these doors are open you are here you are sitting on the front row you are the first one here and the last one to leave amen and for those of you if there's any of you that for the first time this morning you have made a decision to become a follower of Jesus I want you just to come down on this side on my right-hand side of the auditorium just come down here past the platform because we have some some gentlemen that would like to just take you into a back room and just speak to you very personally for a moment and put some resources in your hands to make sure that you're able to take the next step in your walk with Jesus because this is not the end This is just the beginning. Salvation, the the Bible describes it as being born again. When a baby is born, that's not the end of the life. That's the beginning. If you've been born again this morning, this is day one. And the rest of eternity awaits. Can you say amen? God bless you in Jesus' name. Thank you, Daniel. Please take your seats. We're going to give you an opportunity to give to the work of Christ for all nations.